You're listening to Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, brought to you by Vespa. Hi, everybody. This is Food for Thought, the OFM podcast, and I'm your host, Peter Depty, with my lovely co-host, Naomi Land from Australia. Hey, Naomi. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. How was Valentine's Day down under? That was yesterday. Oh, you know. Yeah. Just another day here, right? All right. Another day in paradise, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, super. Well, today we have on the podcast um, the eminent uh, Travis Macy. And uh, Travis, welcome to the show. Hey, Peter. Hey, Naomi. Awesome to be here with you. Uh, Naomi, I've, I've, uh, I've had a number of trips to Australia for, uh, for races. Always enjoy getting there. Uh, done a lot of... Uh, adventure races with Aussie teammates over the years and, and just uh, really love the people, love the mindset. So it's awesome to connect with you. And uh, Peter, you know, you and I obviously have uh, talked a lot about uh, diet, nutrition, uh, Vespa, those kind of things. So it's it's good to be here with you and and with the listeners, of course, uh, as well. Always good to just be, be with an audience and, uh, you know, kind of engage with the community. So thanks for having me. me. Yeah, yeah, and and the, oh, I think we're gonna have lots of fun today. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> gonna have fun, you know. It's Naomi, Naomi. I'm just gonna keep telling you, menage a trois is French for in your dreams. So you know, you got oh, us. Oh yes, you know, yeah. You got the two of us guys there, but you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, a little That's far true. away logistically. So <laughs> keep dreaming. Um, yeah. Okay, so Travis is a, is is what I call sort of like your a guy who embodies the OFM lifestyle. He's kind of was quickly adopted to it, but, but Travis, um, that's kind of like what I, I see you as because you, you know, you're, you're a family man, right? You're, 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 a, an ultra runner, but you also got a family and wife, family, kids, dog, all that good stuff. Right. Yeah. All, all of the above. Yeah. I got uh Wyatt six Lila's turning four this week. Uh, yeah. My wife, Amy, we, we've had a long, good long haul together. Yeah. Dog house, you know, whole deal so yeah i you know ultra running's obviously big for me in the past i've done a lot of you know adventure racing mountain biking uh that kind of stuff you're um, doing schemo kinda, now yeah schemo this yeah this winter has been um you know really kind of full on for schemo and that that's been awesome you know people who maybe are not familiar with that term schemo same thing as ski mountaineering uh randonnée skiing you know basically you're you're going uphill using climbing skins, still with your skis on, but you're sliding up the hill, you know, really kind of a hiking, running, Nordic skiing sort of motion. And then at the top, you rip off the climbing skins and you ski down uh, alpine style. So it's, uh, you know, that sport is huge in Europe and, and really, uh, especially here in Colorado, man, you know, last five, six, seven years, it's, it's really taken off and, um, you know, been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm not one of the top guys by any means, but it's it's been a ton of fun. It's great training. It's, it's something to get better at. And, um, and I've been coaching a lot more schema athletes as well, which is kind of, you know, kind of nice for me. So yeah, I kind of, you know, I, I like doing a lot of different stuff. I, I like to, um, mix it up. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, kind of my, my next step really is I'm, I'm getting into, uh, hunting, um, you know, big game deer and elk hunting. And that's something that's, uh, nicely accessible here in the Colorado Rockies. And, and a lot of that really is um, diet generated. Uh, you know, yeah. I want to, I want to eat eat healthy meat. You know, know where it's coming from, and I think it really fits well. You know, with the with the OFM program. Yeah, I think your interest in that kind of really kind of got 
peaked uh, a lot after our conversations, after those meetings we had a year ago. Um, yeah, yeah, really I'd start, say so. Yeah, that was because Nikki yeah, Kimball. Yeah, Nikki Kimball is like a big game hunter. I mean, she's like she's yeah, a, she's yeah, a killing I, machine. Yeah, I know. I I know Nikki a little bit, and I've listened, you know, a bunch of her podcasts and videos, you know, and heard her talking about that. And so, yeah, I just you know, I, and as I kind of you know over the course of the first few months, you know, became more dialed, you know, with the OFM stuff. And then I kind of remember asking you, you know, at one point, Hey, you know, kind of what's the next step. And, and, you know, you, you, you said, Hey, you know, get some, get some wild meat, you know, get some wild game. And, you know, as I thought more about that and I, you know, I, I live in, I live in the West. I, a lot of my friends hunt a lot of, I didn't grow up hunting, but a lot of, you know, a lot of men and women I know uh, did, you know, and it's kind of, you know, something that, that happens around here. I mean, I've had elk literally in my yard, you know, almost every day of my life. And, and, you know, at first when I thought about it, I'm like, God, how hard can it be to shoot an elk? You know, here they are, you know, all over the place. And now as I get more into it and, and kind of bow hunting is my next step and learn a lot more, well, you know, harvesting an elk, well, that is really hard. And, you know, you got to spend time, you know, it's like running, it's not going to happen overnight. You got to practice, um, and you also have to be fit and that's something that really, Oh God, you have to be fit. To... Yeah. Yeah. You have yeah, no idea what you know, the fitness is like. That's CrossFit on steroids. Once you, yeah, once you exactly. shoot one. Yeah. You gotta be ready to, you know, carry that weight once you harvest it and, and, and then all, you know, packing the animal out and then, and then getting to the animal, you know, I mean, we're talking, you know, you know, probably above 8,000 feet could be, you know, 11,000 feet. And that's kind of, you know, that's sort of my wheelhouse, you know, hiking, running up high in the, in the mountains. So the, that's a lot of what attracts me, you know, going on runs in the summer where I can scout the terrain and learn where the, learn where the animals are and learn, you know, even just in the last few months, these animals that I've seen my whole life, I never really studied them. I didn't know what their habits were. You know, I know they rut in the fall, but I don't know where they go or what they do. And I've learned so much about that. And it's really been you know, fantastic. It's been great. You know, I, I love learning about diet. I love learning about running, learning about, uh, you know, elk schema. It's it just kind of been the next step of growth. Here's something to, to learn about and explore. Yeah. Well, you're really living it. <laughs> well, thanks. Yeah. So where that's... did you grow up, Travis? I, I grew story. up right here. Same, you know, I, I live in Evergreen, Colorado. So Evergreen's kind of, it's, it's in the foothills. So if you're in Denver, you're, you're on the plains, you know, you're 5,000 feet. And then just west of Denver, you know, you, you, if you go west up the highway, you go uphill and pretty soon you're at 8,000 feet. And, uh, and that's where I live is, is in Evergreen. And it's a, it's a cool place. It's, it's a unique spot because you're close enough to the city that, uh, you know, there's work economy, that kind of stuff. So a lot of people here do commute. Um, you know, I'm lucky enough to, at this point, you know, pretty much work remotely, you know, with, with my coaching and, you know, that kind of stuff. So most of my work is, is in home. And I've, I've really, um, you know, I've, I've, I've tried to be really intentional about setting up my life, you know, with sort of lifestyle design in mind that I can do work that supports the things that I want to do with my family, whether that's traveling or going to a running race or, you know, exploring hunting, you know, my son, Wyatt, he's only six, but he's psyched about the idea and, you know, who knows where this will take us. So, yeah, I, I grew up here, you know, my dad was doing ultras, Leadville 100, you know, Badwater, Eco Challenge he got into. He was doing all that when I was a kid. So I kind of, you know, I, I he never pushed me into it, but I, I was around that stuff. And, you know, I kind of always just, I liked it. I was always psyched about it. And, you know, 
lo and behold, I, you know, halfway through college, I'm like, man, I got to start doing some of these adventure races. So I, you know, started doing, you know, I was 20 years old and I'm doing these 24 hour races and kind of, you know, it's just the next logical step for me. Yeah. So what um, dietary strategy did you follow um, from your dad? Oh, dietary? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. so what did your dad do? You uh, obviously probably question. followed that you know, out. I would say mo- most of my life, you know, kind of as, as a kid and, you know, most of my adulthood was, you know, sort of standard American diet. You know, I, I never, you know, I, I would eat healthy, you know, and you have these ideas of, of eating healthy. And, you know, I, you know, growing up, you know, in the 80s, healthy meant, meant low fat, right? You know, healthy, you know, you had the food pyramid and, you know, the carbs at the bottom and, you know, my mom made us lunch to bring to school, you know, and it was PBJ and crackers and, you know, some fruits and vegetables and, excuse me, stuff like that. But, you know, probably a good amount of, of processed food and, and definitely, you know, very much carbohydrate based, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of pasta. I mean, you know, we, we probably had, you know, pasta growing up four or five nights a week. And, and that's, you know, kind of, you know, and then I'm on my own in my early twenties, you know, it becomes frozen pizza, you know, four or five nights a week and, and a little salad here or there. And and then, you know, kind of gradually transition, you know, later twenties, let's get a little more fruit and vegetables and that kind of stuff. And and then, uh, you know, like I said, a couple of years ago, I really started, you know, thinking, researching, getting more into my own coaching, you know, getting more into learning and realizing, man, diet has a huge impact on, you know, not only on overall health, but also on your, on your performance, uh, in these long distance races. And that was kind of my, my final motivation to, you know, sort of make a jump into the OFM is, is the performance incentive, um, combined with overall health. You know, my wife was really excited about it. She done, you know, she had a lot of over the years, uh, you know, bloating and discomfort eating pasta and that kind of stuff. So it's like, man, if we just, cut all this stuff out. Everyone's probably going to feel better. You know, I'm maybe it'll help my training and racing. Maybe it's something I can, you know, uh, help my, my uh, athletes with who I coach. And, uh, you know, it's been a great shift. So what made you change? What made you change from, um, what was the switch for you, Travis? Yeah. What were you, what, yeah, were, you, what were you seeing crop up? I, you know, I think the tipping point really was I had, I had been researching this, you know, really for, like I said, a couple of years, you know, looking at, Hey, the faster study, you know, and you guys have probably talked about that. You know, that's the, the study where, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, very accomplished runners, you know, some who had been, I think basically doing, you know, Peter's OFM protocol and then some other ones who are kind of more on a traditional high carb diet, you know, they did some testing that revealed, Hey, these guys are, who are, you know, doing the OFM, man, they're, performance they're just burning way more fat and burning it at a much higher uh intensity level you know so i saw that and i was you know that was kind of eye-opening and then you know doing some doing some more reading and and then uh you know there's kind of one you know like many many ultra runners adventure racers mountain bikers you know i went through you know many races where where you did have lows or or you had you know a bonk or a semi-bonk or really ran out of calories or or got to a point where you're like, you know, if I don't eat a goo in five minutes, I'm going to be, you know, curled up in that ditch. Um, you know, many, many of those times. And, and it kind of culminated in, uh, I did the hurt 100 run a little over a year ago. That's a, you know, hilly challenging hundred miler in, uh, in Hawaii. 
um, you know, and headed out there, you know, big, big goals, you know, hoping to, hoping to win, be on the podium, you know, something like that. And, and, uh, you know, about 80 miles into the race, I was, I was where I wanted to be, you know, I think I was in third or fourth, you know, I, I like to, I like to take care of myself most of the race and then kind of hammer in, you know, really, if you can race that last 25% of an ultra, I mean, that's where you're going to, you're going to win, whether winning means, you know, winning, or it means a PR or age group or, or just beating the cutoffs, whatever that means to you, it really comes down to the end of the race. And, uh, you know, I got to that final 20% and I, man, I'm ready to race. And, and instead of, you know, instead of hammering it in and having the finish I wanted, I, I kind of went backwards and, uh, you know, I, I still, you know, I think I maintained fifth or sixth or something like that, but I, I kind of wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't what I had been going for. And as I kind of reflected on it, I realized, you know, Hey, I think that, uh, you know, boy, what if, especially a race like this, where it's hot, humid, you know, way different from Colorado in the winter, if I could do the same output on much less, uh, calories taken in, that'd make a huge difference. Uh, and, and that right there, that was kind of the final, you know, turning point of, Hey, let's, let's explore this. Let's try it out. You know, let's, uh, do some reading. You know, I got on, got on the Vespa website, you know, read through the, the OFM stuff there. That was an awesome start. You know, that's usually when I'm talking to athletes about this, I say, you know, Hey, start on that page. That'll be, you know, kind of a good overview. And then if you're interested in, you know, further information, maybe you go to, uh, you know, the book, the art and science of, of low carbohydrate performance. Uh, so I read that, you know, was further interested and compelled, uh, you know, reached out to Peter. He was nice enough to, you know, just, just talk to me, have some conversations. He happened to go through, uh, the Denver area and we got to meet in person and talk. And, you know, so, so for me, it was kind of, I would say an innovative diet change, you know, where I did, you know, make, make a pretty big shift in what I was eating. Um, and that works for some people or some people, maybe it's small steps at a time. Uh, you know, and that, that could work as well. Make, make little steps along the way. Was that uh, hurt? Was that last year's hurt where Jeff Browning had that breakout performance? Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah, it turned out, you, you know, it was funny. Yeah. Jeff, he just, uh, man, he had a great, uh, that was, you know, I had raced against Jeff a couple of times, you, you know, at least once before, you know, we'd kind of gone back and forth and, and we, uh, we did a hundred K in, in Idaho together that the year prior to that, that's where I met him. You know, he was a great guy. Um, we kind of connected, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, as many listeners know, he just totally smashed that, that race and, you know, won it. I don't know if he got the, I don't think he got the course record, but I think he was really close to it. And I, I hadn't known, you know, I think it was maybe eight weeks prior to that race, you know, he kind of took on the OFM, uh, protocol. And then it, it was funny a little bit, you know, maybe a few weeks after that race, when I, when I started, you know, trying to make the jump, I think I, I read an article about Jeff or I, maybe I saw in his blog or something like that. I'm like, Oh man, Jeff's doing this. Maybe that's why, you know, that's why he kicked my ass so bad. And, and, uh, and then I, and then I called him and I said, Hey, you know, let's talk about this. And man, he was, he was just so helpful, you know, sharing his experience. You know, he said he had also, you know, connected with you and Vespa, you know, we talked about that. So yeah, that's, you know, one of the great things about just endurance sports in general, you know, people like to help each other. You know, Jeff was really helpful. I talked to Jason Schlarb, uh, you know, he's another, um, you know, great ultra runner who's, who's done some similar things with his nutrition. He was really helpful. So, uh, yeah, it's just kind of, you know, a, a journey, a synergy and, and, you know, not only a good dietary process, but something that's kind of fun to, you know, be, be a part of with other people. Yeah. And that's, that's, you you made a really great, great point there. Um, and Naomi's, 
you know, the same way, but, you know, we all are trying to help people out, help each other be better. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I don't, I have a policy. I won't turn anybody away, but I got to figure out how to make a living at it. And I, you know, you've always been very forward about trying to push things out and, and help people, you know, whether it's their physiology or their training or their mindset, it, it's great. And, and, you know, Naomi's the same way. And, and, it's kind of funny because the ultra running is really sort of the pinnacle of that. And then I, from what I hear, once you get into those little cliquey triathlon tribes, people share, but between them, it's kind of, you know, competitive um, in nature. Gnomes, can you comment on that? Because since you're the uh, triathlete here, I mean, you're I know you're a runner at heart. So, you know, we'll give you that little uh Kudo, and I'm not here to dish dish triathlon because it's a great sport. Because I'm not I'm not I'm not capable of swimming and biking. I just I just a dumb runner. You want me to to comment? I want you to comment because I, like Travis made a really great comment about how the endurance sports, you know, there's sort of this this unspoken rule that you help people out. And I know that I have a lot of uh, friends who are both you know, crossovers of triathlon and, and ultra running and, and, you know, the ultra running sport, they say is much more laid back. People are more willing to help themselves out. Whereas triathlon is much more competitive, but you know, you get within certain tribes, people help each other out, but they're still very competitive and, and, you know, uh, yes, extremely. Yeah. You know, I, and you'll find that, um, they will be competitive in more so in triathlon and I've also found that in running like running is um, they're more willing to help each other and um, help the clubs out whereas triathlon you have to be selfish because you're training for three different um, disciplines so you know you've got that time restriction and um, so you get into that mindset but I think there's a lot that that are fairly willing to help and sharing ideas um, yeah but Travis, I just want to ask you, so um, how easy was that shift for you um, from from going one to the other? Yeah, yeah. So that, that was a great question. I think you were asking about sort of the dietary transition, uh, that, that process. And uh, yeah, it, it was, um, you know, I, I knew based on the reading, you know, like I said, especially the... Uh, you know, that same book, The Art and Science of Low Carbohydrate Performance, one of the things I appreciated about that text is is it outlined, you know, okay, if you're going to make a dietary transition, here's some of the things that you might expect, you know. Number one, if you're an athlete, uh, don't do this like right before a race. Don't do it during heavy training. And, and that's really, that's one of the reasons I waited until right after that Hurt 100, because it's like, hey, this is a time when I need my body to be resting and recovering anyway. So this is a good time to, to do that. So I thought, you know, I went into it knowing, okay, I'm not going to do, you know, for at least a, a number of weeks here, I'm not going to do any, you know, hard intervals. I'm probably not going to do any races. I'm not going to do, you know, especially short, fast races. Um, so I would say, you know, initially, you know, cutting drastically back on, on carbohydrates and, you know, cutting out bread, pasta, those kind of things. I would say maybe an, an initial sort of um, lull in, in energy and just sort of feeling, you know, kind of different, I guess, for, for a number of weeks. But, you know, really after, you know, maybe five, six weeks feeling quite good in training and then after about eight weeks, you know, 
just feeling good overall, feeling like I, you know, uh, I'm ready to maybe do a race or just, you know, have the diet a little more dialed in as far as, Hey, what, you know, what do I usually eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Uh, you know, man, boy, now I feel uh, comfortable on a daily basis, having 12 to 14 hours between dinner and breakfast. Uh, you know, which now I do that every day. It's just, you know, my eating pattern. I mean, God, if you would have told me a year and a half ago, Travis, you're, you know, you're every day, you're going to have, like I said, 14 hours between dinner and breakfast, you know, I, no way. Are you, you kidding? I'm, I'm having a, I was having a snack, you know, at night before bed, I was waking up, you know, first thing in the morning, boom, I need my oatmeal or my, you know, English muffins or, or something like that. So, um, yeah, it, it is a transition and, and that's especially what I tell athletes plan this around your, your training and, and racing, you know, don't, don't make a drastic shift right before a race or right when you're in real heavy training, you know, it's something you really, you do need to plan. You want to read about, know what to expect, you know, make sure this is, uh, make sure it's the right fit for you. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, uh, to, to kind of, uh, point out, like for a lot of people who'd be listening to this, um, actually the time you did it is right after a big race is, is actually a very good time because a big endurance event for most endurance athletes, their body's actually in a really good way that, they're not. They're going to be in recovery mode, so they'll be doing a lot less. But their physiology is going to be such that generally, they're going to be much better predisposed. So a good time to start that hard reset is um, in those days after a big event. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think so. The one actually, one thing I want to add. Sorry to cut you off, but but I um, this is something I often share as well. Is is I couldn't believe it as literally this is like three days after the race, you know, I'm, I'm sore and, and really swollen, you know, a lot of inflammation from that hundred mile run, you know, ankle swollen, knee swollen, just, you know, everything swollen and, and no joke. Like, you know, one evening I, 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 you know, I'm like, okay, I'm cutting out the, cutting out the bread, cutting out, you know, the processed carbs and, and, you know, I'm going to, you know, get on this program and 12 hours later, like the inflammation was, was gone. I, I mean, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I still, you know, I was still tired. I still had the f- fatigue, but the inflammation had, had just disappeared. And that's something I've, I've experienced really throughout the year, just less inflammation, uh, overall. And that's huge. Cause if you don't have the inflammation, then you can, you, you can train more, you do a long run and the next day, instead of, you know, being all swollen, you, you feel a lot better. So that's been, um, you know, that's been one of the biggest benefits. And one of the things, you know, again, when I'm talking to my athletes, if, if that's something they want to consider is, is that, that inflammation I think is a huge uh, benefit to it. Yeah. And I, like you say, you know, it really is a leap of faith because it's kind of hard when you're, you know, a carb based athlete and going with what the conventional wisdom is that, that you eat carbs. And like you say, you're like, your body's pinging you for a little hit every couple of hours. It's a big leap of faith to say, you're going to go 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 hours between meals and like probably where you are today, you might go out and do a three or four hour workout of schemo this time of year in that, you know, span without even thinking about it. You know, you grab your Vespa and your uh, Vespa or two and go out and do your, your workout and come home and do what you need to do. And, you know, next thing you know, it's 14, 16 hours since your last meal. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right. That leap of faith is funny because actually 
you know, Naomi had asked about, about my dad and sort of, you know, again, late, late 80s, early 90s, you know, all that period, you know, my dad, his entire adult life, you know, he's racing, he's doing the ultras, eco challenge, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and he's, uh, you know, he's in his, his early to mid 60s now. And, and so he's not racing quite as much, but man, he's still at it. He retired uh, as an attorney last year. And now he's basically a pro athlete. You know, he, he literally like every day, that's his day. He trains, you know, he, he does yoga, then he runs and then he swims and, you know, then sometimes he bikes. And so, so he's, you know, still super active. And, uh, and, and I've got him basically on the OFM program. So he's, uh, you know, kind of made that shift himself. And, and he even often says, you know, he goes, man, I can't believe I'm eating all this stuff. You know, the, these things with fat, whether it's bacon or oils or, you know, a big salad with a bunch of, you know, fat and avocado and, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, he always says, I can't believe I'm eating all these things that my entire adult life I saw as unhealthy because they, because they were high fat. And, and so, you know, even after a number of months of doing it, it still feels, I think, a little awkward to, to, to him, but, but he's, uh, you know, he actually told me today, he's like, you know, I, I actually like it though. And I think it's making a, a difference. And, uh, you know, I think it is. I mean, he's, he's, he's killing it. He's performing really well for, for someone that age. So, so Travis, um, let's kind of move this forward a little bit um, because, as I said, you kind of embody the whole OFM thing. So it's not just diet; it's lifestyle. You've got your, you've got your dad on it now, but you you put your family on it. Um, this is all working out for you. But another aspect that you you've kind of focused on that that's very much a part of the OFM um, program, but we don't talk about it is is the whole mindset. You've actually written a book on the ultra mindset. So let's kind of go into that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, um, my, my book came out, I guess, early 2015 and, and yeah, it's called the ultra mindset, uh, an endurance champions, eight core principles for success in business, sports and life. And, uh, you know, in, in a nutshell, it's basically eight chapters that each lead into a very specific intangible, and, and I think relevant and applicable, uh, mindset principle that, that could be used, you know, in your racing or training, but I think just as much could be used in, in other areas. Maybe it's your parenting, your relationships, your, your, uh, professional quest or something like this, you know, your, your nutritional program. And I, you know, you and I have, have discussed, and I've talked about again with a lot of the athletes I coach mindset is, is so big for, um, you know, all elements and in, including, uh, you know, dieting, including things like, uh, okay, let's choose and embrace, you know, an eating system that, that isn't stressful. That's not, uh, you know, adding to the stress of, of the entire situation. Cause that's, that's not going to be good. Um, you know, maybe let's, uh, one of the things I talk about in, in my book is, is, uh, I call it the 4:30 AM rule and, and the 4:30 AM rule is it's, it's basically, making the choice to, to give up choice. So, you know, the name comes from, all right, you, you set your alarm the night before, you know, 4.30 a.m., you got to get out, do your long run, do your schema, you know, your ride, whatever it is. And when you set the alarm, that's when you make the commitment to do it. You're not waiting to see what you feel like doing at 4.30 a.m. Because at 4.30, what you feel like doing is sleeping more. But but since you're committed to it, you're going to get up and and go. And, and that's, you know, I think that's very applicable. You want to run a hundred miles. Like you're not going to wait and see how you feel at mile 70. Cause I can guarantee you at mile 70, you're probably not going to feel like running 30 more miles, 
But if you've committed ahead of time, you know, and made it kind of simple for yourself, then you're going to keep going. And I think that that's very applicable to, you know, nutrition. Right? That's if, applicable if, uh, to life. I mean, how many of us yeah, have well, been in places in our <laughs> lives where it just seems endless? And it's like, like, you know, when we talk about life and, and life experiences, since I'm way older than, than the, uh, you two, <laughs> and I've, I've been willing to make all the mistakes. That's kind of why I'm good at what I do, because I made all the mistakes. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah. you know, like, like in a hundred, I always say to people, you know, 50 miles or 100K is really sort of what humans evolved or were designed to do. Be all day on your feet. But when you do the 100-mile distance, unless you're somebody like, you know, Zach Bitter, Jim Walmsley, or Tim Olson, who can knock one out in 12, 13, 14 hours, yeah, um, yeah. it's usually, you know, it's, it's, it's out there beyond what those evolutionary pressures that shaped us um, – were to do so it seems like to me and you probably agree with this you know you get beyond that 100k mark it's mile 65 68 70 it becomes what i call that no man's land between mile 65 and mile 85 where oh, yeah. it's Absolutely. just abysmal and that's sort of like you know certain periods of life where people suffer losses or you know your relationship ends or a marriage ends or you know all things that life throws at us um and you just feel, you know, what you see in front of you is is this abyss, and you you refuse to look forward. And I think that that's, and that's sort of like how why I say these hundred milers are like microcosms for life, because at seventy to eighty five miles, it's like, that's where people drop, right, Travis? I mean, yep. they drop yeah, like yeah. flies. And you get to mile eighty five, eighty eight, you begin to smell the barn. It's like, well, I've come this far, <laughs> I'm sure. Heck, not going to quit yeah, yeah. now. I'll have to drag myself. But unless you're really, in, you know, really injured, usually people can, like you say, rally in those last 20 miles um, uh, to finish a race. But I think that, that you know, what you're saying there um, is really relevant and, and um, hopefully the audience is paying attention to because it's, it's like that mindset is what gets you through, like you say, getting up at 4.30, yeah. getting from mile 70 to mile 85, and, you know, what else can you kind of look at in life? For you, you, Naomi, you've suffered the loss of a child, and that's, you know, for a mother to do that, that's, that's an abyss, right? Yeah, that's right, Pete. But, you know, like, you, you tend to, um, you tend to just dive in and, and just get it done, you know, like, you, um, realize that there's more to life than just day to day stuff and um, yeah, just do things. Yeah. Like, um, don't focus on it too much. Just but in that moment, you know, we've all had those moments, and in that, in that moment of that absolute loss and grief, whatever it is in life you know, we, we don't tend to feel that way. And, and that ultra mindset that Travis is talking about, um, I, I do the same thing when I talk to people who are going to do their first 100 milers. But that's sort of like applicable life is, is you're going to be in this place where you're going to want to drop. You know, you just want to quit. Quit with life or quit, with, quit the race. And, and you just got to kind of keep trudging on. Like you say, Naomi, you'll find your way. Yeah, I, I would agree, you know, sort of two points. I mean, the, the first one, like you said, one, one of my favorite things that I feel like I've learned from ultra running, adventure racing, you know, 24-hour mountain bike races is is just you can never give up on yourself. You know, those races, I can't tell you how many times where, 
you know, I've been way back or I've been way down. And, and because I, because I just kept going and didn't get up on myself, man, maybe I caught someone or maybe I won or, you know, maybe the other person had a problem and I passed them or, or, or maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't catch him. Maybe I didn't win, but I still made it, you know, I still made it through. And, and just that, that lesson you're right is so applicable when, you know, we all have those times in life where, you know, if you just remember, don't give up on yourself, you, you can keep going. You can, you can make it, you know, as one of my dad, I talk about in my book, my dad's got all these sayings, you know, and one, one of them is, is keep the faith. And, and I think that that's, you know, just so important. Just keep the faith in yourself. You know, you will, you will make it through, um, you know, and then kind of back to the, you know, the dietary stuff that, you know, committing ahead of time, what I think of it is when I'm at the grocery store, you know, and I'm choosing what to put in my shopping cart, that's when I'm committing what to eat. And and that makes it so much easier because if you're at home and you have, you know, all of these food options, you don't really <laughs> want to eat. But if, if it's in your house, if it's on the shelf, like then you have to choose, oh God, I'm man, I got this craving or, you know, I'm going to eat that, you know, whatever it is. If it's there, you know, then then you might eat it or you'll be tempted to. I mean, if, if you're at the grocery store and you just buy the things that, you know, sort of when you're in your best self, okay, these are the nutritional choices I want to make. If that's what you have at your house, then, I mean, that's that's what you're going to eat. I, <laughs> you know, you know home, I can't. It becomes, yeah, I can't. I can't say enough about what you're saying because I don't practice it often enough and my wife doesn't practice it and the kids get stuff so if it's there you're right you're absolutely right if it's there yeah yeah because <laughs> i'm testing the wrong boundaries right now and unfortunately i'm finding because i'm fat adapted they're pretty flexible which is which is another part about ofm if you if you're not stressing out about stuff and you get, get yourself physiological fat fat adapted the flexibility um of this program and, and this way of living is really pretty broad. Don't you think, um, uh, Travis and, and you, Naomi? Yeah, I, I do think so. And I, I'm, I'm glad that, that you brought that up. Cause I think that's important. Sometimes people get the idea, you know, okay, I'm going to, you know, do this. And that means I'm never going to eat a carbohydrate or, you know, ne- never gonna, you know, I'm never gonna have a piece of cake or you're never gonna, you know, drink a beer or, you know, whatever, I, I think there, there is flexibility. You know, you, you probably, you don't want to be drinking soda every day. You probably don't want to be, eat ice cream, you know, every single day after, after dinner. But, you know, there is some flexibility, and especially like you said, once, once you maybe reach a certain level of fat adaptation, I think, you know, kind of what I've gotten to is I, I, I will cycle uh, carbs in and out based on training and or racing, you know, I, so I, let's say yesterday I had a pretty big ski mountaineering day. I know, I knew I was going to be going pretty hard, you know, elevated heart rate. So around that workout, I, I did take in some more carbs before, during and, and afterwards. That's, that's, that's um, excellent. And plus, plus also, you know, with kids at your age, you can't get so stressed out and Nazi like to where, you know, if you have a root beer float or a bowl of ice cream or yeah. cake or ice cream, you know, yeah. It just makes it so easy because, you know, compared to most kids that and the parents are doing what they think is best, but they've been led led down this wrong path. But compared to most kids, your kids are eating way less carbs. And because they're kids and they're young, they actually can handle the carbs better than um, adults. I mean, yep. So, yep. you know, it's it's like it makes it doable. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I think you're right, though. You know, I mean, my kids go to a birthday party like, guys, eat the cake. I'm not going to tell yeah. my kids that they're at a birthday party and they can't eat cake or, 
even me, you know, I, I go to, maybe I go out for dinner with friends or, you know, I have a guy's night and we're having beers. Like, man, I'll have the beer. Like yep. I, you know, I, I, I don't drink a ton of beer, but I like it, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll have it some. So yeah, things like that, you know, not, and that goes a lot back to the mindset, anything that's adding a ton of, of stress, whether it's your, your nutrition or, or for runners, you know, mileage, you know, some people, man, I got to do 83 miles this week. And then it's Sunday night and they've done 81 miles and it's 10 o'clock and they go out and they run two miles so they can get 83, you know, things like that, where, where you're doing things that probably in reality are counterproductive, but you're just, you know, doing it for, for the sake of, you know, feeding your ego or, or staying with the program or whatever you want to call it, you know, things like that, that's probably adding stress that, that really isn't helping. Oh, it's you. definitely uh, adding that's, stress. That's not even probably it, it is. And it's like I've said numerous times, the, the, the stress of, of thinking about every detail is as big a factor as having a lot of concentrated carbs in your diet. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I feel like that's, you know, a lot of, you know, we're, we're all on a journey you know, in, in life, whether it's, you know, you're running your nutrition, your family, your parenting, your relationships, you know, you're on this journey. And I think one, one of the things I've focused on in, in my journey this last year is sort of beginning to acknowledge, you know, what are stressors in my life? What, what things are impacting me? You know, how do I deal with that? You know, whereas maybe, you know, in, in mid twenties, you know, Travis, the full on athlete before kids, I mean, it was just, you know, go, 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 hammer, 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 you know, I'm, I'm, I'm immune to stress, you know, I, I, you know, the, those things don't get to me and, you know, looking back, okay, it does, you know, and it's just, you know, again, a, a process of uh, hopefully some maturation and, and it's something that continues throughout life, I think. Yeah. Well, Travis, uh, Naomi, you know, we'll wrap this up. So any questions? I mean, you, you're obviously practicing the same thing in your home cause you've got two, two little ones. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it is a bit tricky. Like, um, but Peter, like, I think you should probably talk a little bit on, I know like men are easy, fat adapted. They can fast for longer. So, you know, they, that period of time that they don't feel like they have to eat. Um, women, it's a little bit more tricky, isn't it? Yeah. And Travis, do you find that with your women athletes? You know, that's a great question. And, and I actually, you, you know, had, had talked to another, um, you know, person recently who, who was even, you know, doing look or considering how, how does like the, the menstrual cycle, you know, how does that tie in with, with this sort of stuff? Oh, and, and, that's you know, huge. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, and to be honest, I'm, I, I am by no means an expert on that. And, and I, I do coach, um, you know, most of my clients happen to be guys. I do coach a number of women, but that's something that, uh, you know, I try to be sensitive to, and, and just, you know, for me at this point, it's mostly just being in constant communication with an athlete of, you know, Hey, how are things going? What's, what's happened in that kind of stuff? Um, you know, and, and trying to learn, I mean, I think for, you know, for, for men to understand that probably is, is, is tough, you know, unless you have done a lot of really, you know, detailed study in the area. Yeah. Well, um, so yeah, no, it's, 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 insanely important because as i say you know uh women are basically nature design um design women to eat and save for two because their their nature's got them primed to carry a child bear a child lactate a child and go on so their their hunger triggers their their appetite can all can 
can really ramp them up for this. So it's, it's a much more delicate thing. And plus, their hormones are much more delicately balanced than, than males. Males are very simple. I mean, we're testosterone-driven, and we don't have the this, you know, 28-day cycle we have to deal with. So it, it's very tricky for women. And also, women's brain hardwiring, because they're female, is much more disposed to being tri- type A and, you know, body image and... Um, Stressing about not being good enough is all a part of uh, many uh, females' makeup, particularly females who are driven. So, you know, athletes and professionals tend to be, who are female tend to be fairly driven, and that's how it channels, it, uh, channels itself, um, whereas in men, the testosterone sort of just drives us to be kind of egotistical and, and pretend like we're, we're something great when we're just a bunch of lost boys. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just kind of like how I've kind of, kind of viewed it. Um, so, yeah, it's very important that, that a woman learn to relax, learn to address stresses in a healthy way, and then also make sure that she's, she's gotten some things going in the right direction to where the body can relax. Because when you try to restrict carbs, a lot of times a, a female's body will um, turn down the metabolism and make them more hungry and make them put on the weight. Um, and it'll turn their thyroid down. And it's just it's just a tricky balance. So it's, it's really got to be, you know, so seduction. So it, can, it should be the goal. And that's why we call the program Optimized Fat Metabolism because sometimes keep a lot of people, particularly females, aren't ready for um, being in full nutritional ketosis. Um, we want to try and get them to where they do produce ketone bodies, particularly when exercising. But it's kind of a spectrum. And as I say, as we wrap this up, is you know there's 101 ways to get fat metabolism wrong because it's so individualized. And, and within each individual, it's a very dynamic thing. It's, it's constantly changing because of the environment or as we move down the spectrum or where you were when you showed up at the door of wanting to become fat adapted because some people are pretty broken. Um, you know, Travis, in your case, you're starting to see some signs of some issues cropping up. Um, you know, Zach Bitter, Tim Olson, you know, several... Uh, Jenny Capel, a lot of athletes that wound up on my doorstep initially were, were, were seeing those signs to one degree or another. And so you want to address those and recognize them before you, because, you know, a healthy person, healthy male athlete, you know, three to five days and they're, they get that shift. And then in three or five weeks, they're ready to go where some people take eight to 12 weeks. So it's, it's just a sliding scale. And as it moves along, you're constantly dialing it in. And, Going back to that ultra mindset, which is part of the OFM program, is we want to create the intuitive athlete. Wouldn't you agree, Travis? You know, we don't want to coach people so that they're, you know, they're they're leaning on every word we utter. We want to teach them so they can do it themselves. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree. I think that 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 intuition is is huge. And that's, you know, part of the transition is feeling it out and learning and, you know, t- you know, testing this and that and, and, uh, you know, all, all of that's big. Um, and, you know, really one of the things I encourage in, in my book is also, um, ask for help, you know, when you need help with, with something off, oftentimes you can set your ego aside and, it's amazing who you can, can learn from, you oh, know, yeah. I, like, yeah. you know, for me, Jeff Browning, and, and, you know, Jason Schlarb, these guys, you know, are, are my, potential competitors, but we can also, 
you know, both set our egos aside and help each other. You know, I like it. It was great because, you know, that last year, you know, Jeff, he was kind of, you know, consulting me on diet and, and he was he was getting his coaching practice going. And I'd been doing that for a few years. And it's like, hey, you know, let's help each other here and let's, you know, let's 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 team up on these on these topics. And so I think that's, you know, I would really encourage people, you, you know, if, if you want work with someone, you know, whether it's a, a, a dietitian or a coach or, you know, s- someone else, find someone you can learn from and, and you don't have to you know, while your goal is, is to become more intuitive, you, you don't have to go it alone. You know, you can, you can have a team and that's, uh, that's huge. Yeah. Anything else, Naomi? We got to call it a wrap because Jeff's got, I mean, Travis has got to go grab kids and, um, yeah. So any other questions? Um, no. Oh, well, I've got thousands of questions, but we might have to, um, wait till next time, Travis, to, to ask those to you and dive deep down into a few other things but your life sounds um so good at the moment oh well thank yeah you know thanks for saying that i mean i i, I would agree i mean I've, I've tried to be really intentional i mean you know also another thing i've kind of learned you know nothing nothing is perfect any any system you set up whether it's you know professional parenting relationship training racing you know nothing is going to be perfect. And that's probably part of the mindset too, you know, absolutely. Kind of like Peter said, if, if you're so stressed about everything's got to be totally perfect, I, you know, I can never have a slip up. I can never, you know, have a bite of my kid's ice cream or mac and cheese or, you know, whatever. If, if, if you think everything's got to be perfect, I think you're kind of setting yourself up for, for failure. You know, I mean, the people who finish a hundred mile run are the ones who realize you know, I got a plan, but, but something's going to happen in my plan that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, Bruce, Le, one of my out. best friends is Bruce LaBelle, who's a, a, a ultra running legend from the eighties. And he said, the only thing you can plan on in a hundred miler is something going wrong that you don't expect. Yeah, abs- <laughs> absolutely. And that's, I mean, honestly, you know, real briefly back to the hunting, that's part of what I'm excited about hunting is, is you have to be patient and there's so much that's out of your control you know, putting myself in an environment where I really just have to take things as they come. And, you know, man, this is my first fall going for elk. Like I may harvest an elk or I, I might be talking to you guys in 10 years and I've never harvested an elk. You know, that that's the reality. Well, we'll have so, to go up to Montana uh, and hunt with Nikki and, and Megan because those two bitches and I'm going to call them bitches affectionately <laughs> because they send me these yeah. wild game porn texts saying, what are you having for dinner, <laughs> yeah. Peter? I'm, we're having elk tenderloin. Anyway, those those two are killing machines, so we can go with them and yeah. let them get us. Well, but, maybe so. That'd be. That'd but be um, well, yeah. Anyway, both both you guys, it's it's been awesome. Thanks yeah. for having me. I'd, I'd be, you know, maybe we can do this again at at some point in time. But uh, yeah, I, I appreciate um, Naomi. It's awesome to meet you, Peter. Just thanks for thanks for the support. Always good to you yeah, know, any, from yeah, definitely. Yeah, anytime uh, you have to the, bounce something off me, let me know. So uh, once again, no, thanks. I'll close it after you're off and and. Um, yeah, thanks for being on here, Travis. I think this is a great interview, and it's yeah. really going to give a lot thanks, of people. Travis. Yeah, yeah, sounds oh, yeah. good, guys. Let me know when it comes out, and we'll uh, we'll get we'll push out, it so. out. Okay, thanks. All righty, okay. have a good one. Okay, all right. Thanks, Travis. Naomi, Good what do you, you what do you think of that? Oh my goodness, so much great content in there. Yep. Yeah, he's a real oh, inspiring guy. Yeah. yeah, and he's really embodying it. So. Uh, folks, that was Travis Macy, and his book is The Ultra Mindset. And uh, on Podbean, I'll go ahead and put the link uh, to it. And um, 
you know, it's uh, one of the things I do, we didn't get because Travis had to leave was the, that, you know, part of that whole thing of not being perfect is being, be willing to go out and make mistakes and uh, learn from them. Um, I've had to learn that the hard way because I've made a lot of mistakes and sometimes I didn't learn from them because as a stubborn young male, I kind of had to burn myself two or three times. Um, but so Pete, that's how you learn is, you know, you can't learn by not making mistakes. That's, that's right. And, and I've, I'm, you know, now that I'm a little older and, and somewhat wiser, but also kind of gotten over a lot of, you know, my stubborn male issues, which is, which I'm still a male, but, but just realizing that, that, you know, we males really are, are, are little boys wanting to be superheroes and, and, you know, when you're a little kid, you, you make all mistakes, right? You do all these fun things. It's not perfect, but you're just doing them and you just kind of do it and move on and get better at it. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and I think as adults, we get so critical about ourselves and, and lose that fun about just making mistakes. And, and one of the things I like about ultra running is, is I don't know how it is in triathlon, but with ultra running, you know, you're always doing stupid stuff and you just sit there and laugh at yourself about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But instead of getting cranky with yourself, you need to just go, uh, that was just, you know, something to learn from. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like we go out for these long runs in the mountains and you end up forgetting this or doing that or having to take a crap in the bushes. And it's it's, it's, it's just silliness. And it's like, why would we be out here? But then you're out there in, in the middle of nowhere and it's, it's great, but you, you just laugh at yourself um, mm. sometimes. But... Um, yeah, great interview with Travis. Naomi, anything, any comments to, to close other than, you know, what a great guy? Oh, yeah, what a great guy. And I think, you know, it's not about perfection, isn't it? It's just about enjoying what moments that you have. Yep, yep, and they're precious moments and just being, you know, just being yourself. And as, as you can see, um, uh, Travis just really knows how to just be himself. And, and so that's why I kind of, preface this this interview with with Travis being one of those people that embodies the whole OFM lifestyle and not just some diet yeah cool yeah that's right all right another another food for thought OFM podcast signing off we'll see you next time thanks Naomi see you later bye bye you are listening to food for thought the OFM podcast Sponsored by Vespa.